visitors. What do you want? Information. Whose side are you on? That would be telling. We want information. 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 You won't get it. By hook or by crook. We will. Who are you? The new number two. Who is number one? You are number six. I am not a number. I am a free man. <laughs> This, this is something, right? This is an ending. This is, this is an ending. ending. It's I was been a bit a worried journey. it didn't have one. It's been a journey, Sheppy. My God, it's been a journey. It's been a hell of a journey. I'm so glad we did this whole thing. Um, I want to thank you just up front, Jimmy, for taking this journey because it was great for me and it was great experiencing your first time. Um, so it was you know, wonderful. Thank you for setting it, Sheps. What a treat. I'm glad I finally got round to the show. It would have been very sad to have missed it. Very sad to have missed it uh, from the, 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 the Jimmy TV show roster when I come to get my stats at the end, Sheps, you know, of which ones I watched, how many times I watched each step. I'd like to think there's a good stat report awaiting us either upstairs or downstairs, Sheps. Um, and, uh... yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like um, to think so. I'm up for that. Um. But listen, do I do a sh welcome to shoulders normally on these ones? I can't even bloody remember. Yes, of course. Okay. Of, course of course we do. We never not greet people and make them feel comfortable. <laughs> well, I, I can agree to half of that. I think we make most people feel extremely uncomfortable. And I'd be surprised to find out otherwise. Do they feel ahead. welcome with two L's and then split oh, the word? Oh, hang about. Hello. I sent something going on. That's a reference. Um, that is a reference. Okay, anyway, anyway, welcome to Shoulders of Giants. I am Jimmy. Hello. You've, you had to think about it, and I respect that. I am Sheppy. Hello. <laughs> I do a different uh, line reading every time I think of my own name. Which you're is like so... number two. It's Ooh, different yeah. time for you. Nice. Exactly. Oh, I've got, <laughs> oh, well, we've got so much to talk about. I'm so excited, Jimmy. Oh. Um, so we've done the prisoner experiment. Um which is we've watched all the episodes and 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 we've done our pitches for how what we could see as an episode and we sort of talked vaguely about where we thought it might go possible expectations kind of knowing that it wouldn't be totally normal conventional stuff because of course nothing really is that conventional about the show just as a kind of a spoiler tiny if you can in like one sentence or something or just in a sound Jumping right ahead to the very last episode and where that left us right at after seeing everything. Um, good, bad, happy, make an I... animal noise. <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Nice. I'm okay. Nice. I I got enough lynchy stuff. Mm. I got enough closure ish i got some very satisfying the weird and not expected uh visual treats nice. and and alliances 
slash not alliances i probably have one weirdly like you know and we'll talk about all of this this is go for it in terms of the absolute show then we can get into the nitty i guess like say so so it's the british basically all along you know i guess because my one of my big right, question marks right. was will i know whether it's the brits the ruskies or what you know so right. um, but so i think it, it the whole thing is the the interrogation you know um and the test of his wills which is um okay good so we know that that's great and yet i feel like i just have a couple of questions i love 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 and 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 you know quite literally i think they're telling us that he has been kept in Wales the whole time. So when he right. does the Chimes of Big Ben, he goes all around and then back to the right. same and sort of then back. It's, it's quite amazing because they put that thing at the beginning, but they're not just that, they're on the bus at the end. Well, not the bus, but, you know, the room travels right. at the end. Yes. The other road. yes, I mean, yeah, it so, just drives out, it smashes out the gate. And, and, and doesn't go over the water. You can't imagine no. it's a spy who loved me job. So no. I think... Uh, I think it's a real, yeah, so they literally are in in Britain, which I sort of love as well. And then the, um, it's just my my question marks. I'm not annoyed, but it was just a few, a few odd little beats that just are under my skin a bit yeah. around number two, as we established when he was in it, is my favourite number two, Leo. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but then, so makeover number two, does he work in the government? Does he? What's the big deal with him walking around Westminster at the end? Like, I want right. to just try and unpick that a bit with you. Is what is probably my biggest unanswered question. Well, like, what the implication of all of that bit is? Like, what are they really trying to say there? Like, should like, I answer it, that now? Yeah, uh, man. Tell still, you what I think. Or shall we yeah. just jump straight to that? Well, um, I think because earlier on he says he heavily implies at the very least, if not all else, says that he was taken originally like number six was, like yeah. you assume everyone was. And then, but he was broken and then eventually became number two. And now he's been reanimated and he's regenerated and everything. But he's like, um, so he was a higher up in parliament, I would say. And then he was oh, taken. Gotcha. And yeah, so yeah. now when he marches back in, he's going to expose the village is how I optimistically take it. That's and nice, Sheps. Of course, that's, that's, probably it yeah you're right yeah so it's in that sense it's triumphant and in that sense it's satisfying because it's not just letting them get away with it it's you know so that's how i see it there is a lot of ambiguity in all sorts of things and we can talk about more of yeah. that i think we should i think we should save the number one reveal yeah. for, with the number right, one well, reveal yeah, moment. exactly yeah. i wanted to get your overall thoughts and i will yeah. also say just historically you mentioned you got a vibe of this off the internet now we can talk about this the climax overall um, was uh, met with much hostility from the general public. It was a huge show. There were lots of parallels with Twin Peaks in the early 90s, where this was 66, 67, and it was huge. It was a cultural phenom. My mum and dad uh, would like have to make excuses why they had to hurry off after <laughs> rugby when they were down the pub on a Sunday to get home because they couldn't miss an episode and videos were, were not quite there yet. Um, everyone was in the office or in every, you know, everywhere they worked talking about it. It was like lost 
it's another reference that I can associate. Everyone was really into the prisoner. And the last episode, everyone's like, fuck her now. And um, there was a sense of uh, a lot of people didn't like how weird uh, it went. And even the satisfying things that it does give you in a conventional sense. And, and lots and the big gun fight as well. Um, so with all of that in mind, yeah, I think it's people didn't like it. And to the point where apparently McGowan had to just like leave the country because people wow. were so angry, like mobs, the entirety of like the UK were like picketing outside his fence. Uh, so he had to like leg it to like France or something. Um, and now years later, uh, I mentioned Twin Peaks, uh, a guy, um, the dad of a friend of mine, was uh, they were watching Twin Peaks and the ending happened. And it's under slightly different circumstances, but actually, as I found out, not very in that Twin Peaks was cancelled. Lynch came back and kind of just wrote an ending, but it's all sort of disconnected and it's not really what you would like, but, he, but it works. But at the time, people were kind of disappointed with that ending of Twin Peaks. And at that time, in around 1991, uh, this guy, Ken Stark, said, uh, oh, it's just like the prisoner all over again. And was furious. So make of that what you will. But yeah, I, I can see their point. Um, but I would argue, and th I think there's a strong argument out there that towards the end of the prisoner, uh, it's a weird show. It was popular and loved, and people were crazy for it because it was original. So to have a, a you know in any sense a real conventional ending would be missing the point. I will say, Sheppy, on the video point, just because <laughs> I feel like even Prisoner is one of those shows where you could rely on videos when videos come in, but even some shows are not even worth risking the time or record working correctly. Like you want to get out uh, Yeah. <laughs> make sure you no. see it. <laughs> I did that with the last episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I was so excited and I was so tired because I'd had a large one uh, staying up a hill, I think. So I um, I said the video, but I did it wrong. I forgot to press a vital button because I was so tired and I went to sleep and I woke up and realised it hadn't recorded the last ever episode of Next Generation. And I was like, fuck me. Oh, Turned up the next day at college and they were like, hey, I'm like, don't say a fucking word. <laughs> Luckily, it came out to buy like a week later. So I bought it for like $9.99. Anyway, oh. that's a different story. Well, but it ties in because it's last episode stuff and there's always some sort of problem. And it's like you say, this is stuff that you needed to be there for. Must see TV, last episode. And I can imagine being slightly disappointed with the ending one. Yeah, but 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 so, yeah. So there was a, was that what you read online? Uh, oh, I'll be, I, I have no idea, Sheps, because I didn't re revisit it online. I haven't sort of, mm. well, I've done a, not really much yet anyway since this, but I will be going on a deep dive after. But but no, it was yeah. just a general vibe. And I, I, I was just aware. And I, I didn't even know it had an ending, honestly. I thought it was one of those ones that was cut short before it got wow. to one, you know. And then I remember you reassuring me about, you know, a few eps ago, that, you know, no, no, there's definitely yes. one. So, you know, but um, yes. yeah. So, but I was very ready for it to be a bit quirky and not 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 what I was, yeah. would have expected if you know what I mean. if, if anything yeah. the fact that there's a rocket ship at the end and it goes bondian <laughs> and dr noe sort yes. of thing that yes. was the biggest surprise of all in some ways right. like, you know um yeah i i i think yeah 
it it throws in these really really conventional big crowd pleasing elements amidst everything else um yeah. and i like that and it's like look here look like this big gunfight leo mckern going nuts with a machine gun again yeah. we're getting ahead of ourselves but that's something <laughs> that i know i thought i'd see so that's wonderful um so so overall yeah one thing that blew my fucking mind which i only found out today which i read on imdb um and i'm like well it must be true then but I always assumed this was the ending and this was always going to be the ending. They started to get more and more wild and crazy and the key concept ideas of like intricate like mind fucks and how he can either get out of it or solve it or expose it, the illusion, the, you know, the, 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 the deception and all of that. So, but then they start getting more wild and crazy with kind of a very thin sort of epilogue to sort of be like, well, I'm like, okay, I, I choose to go with it. But it's like, okay. Um, so I assumed, well, they kind of run out of their, the, you know, Magoon was like, well, that's enough. That's, you know, there's, there's no, nothing else to tell. But actually what blew my mind today was that apparently Magoon was going to do 13 episodes of season one. And then he was going to use once upon a time the penultimate episode as the season finale which ends spoiler sort of in the middle again with him saying come on i'll take you to number one that was going to be like them opening the hatch at the end of season one of lost and right. then you're like fuck and then i don't so that means it wouldn't have been the same as what they actually did then in the finale so what would that next first scene have been first episode season two when supposedly six is being taken by bald man oh, wow. to go and see number one. So that blew my fucking mind. Maybe it would have been a massive cop out, but maybe uh, I, I like to think McGoon wouldn't do that. But yeah, was that going to be a massive game changer? Would the intro have to be slightly different, not saying who is number one or anything like that? It'd be like, I am number one. And it's like some fucking cunt. So that that's amazing. <laughs> and with that in mind, it's like Angel season five. They had to suddenly be like, fuck. So McGowan wrote an ending. And but they had filmed once upon a time, like fucking like after season after episode four or something. Wow. They filmed that 13 months before um um fallout. Um 13 months. They filmed everything else in between. And McGowan just had it because he wanted to do it quickly with McKern. And so they just did it, knowing that it wasn't going to be chronologically there. He just had it in his pocket, which is great. But then he's like, right, okay, well, in that case, but then he was told it was going to be cancelled after Don't Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. The you know, Is that the Western one? Um, yeah, I think. Or was that Living in Harmony? Harmony? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Or maybe Living in Harmony? Um, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, so it was the Western one, which was, if that was Living in Harmony, which makes sense, because the town was called Harmony. Anyway. Um, he was told by Lou Grade, the producer, who also produced this, uh, the, the Saint and the Muppets and the Persuaders. Good old Lou Grade, but unfortunately, he said to McGowan, I'm cancelling this shit. So McGowan was like, missing all. So McGowan had to then quickly write the finale. He said, right, well, in that case, this will be the penultimate episode and I will write Fallout. And that's why when Leo McKern regenerates, they give him a shave and, and a haircut um because he was 13 months later he said come back i need you oh but i look totally different i don't care you've been dead so that's great 
they bring back he brings back all his friends because he brings back Alexis Canner, who he loved working with in uh, Living in Harmony, yeah. um, and just like let him improvise shit tons apparently. So that's nice. It has that vibe, doesn't it? And I think um, the he does look a bit older as well, McGoon, in that last step. I was thinking that right. to be honest. He just he just looked that tiny bit wily, like you know, you could just see a little bit in his face, but not 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 yeah. material. I didn't really enough to think about it like that, Sheps, but it's so fascinating. The only thing the only thing I've read online is that he uh he refers to Leo as a friend and Leo refers to him as a bit of a bully. Like and I don't yeah. know how it was really interesting to me. I was like, oh well, blimey, I, I could probably imagine that actually. Definitely looks try and seek out the prisoner making of. Now available on YouTube is the version of the documentary which was used for the DVD and Blu-ray, which came out something like 2009 or 10 or something. And I saw that, and that's the one which is on the DVD that I've got, and that's also on YouTube. It's good, but it's edited, lots of bits edited, and lots of interviews from uh, of McGowan in the 70s where he's talking like surprise shockingly openly about what he would meant what he was doing he's doing an anti-lynch he said this means this and this means this and this satire is about this thing over here and this means nothing i just like the color and all of that um but then when it came time for them to do the dvd making of um they mcguin who was still alive at that point was like don't use any of that shit because i would rather you know the work for, spoke for itself and i don't want to like give away i regret saying it and so they take it out and it's like i get that i totally respect it but there must be because i saw it once and he, he just explains everything you know that's, that's, that's novel so um <laughs> but but either way the making of is really good and he talks about lots of cool things and it, oh yeah and my whole point was leo mckern is talking about i think it's the, and i've said this before um but he says it was at their first meeting and it was in a pub i believe in london yeah. and mckern's there and mcguin comes in and goes right up to him and says you're a funny looking fucker aren't you and mckern when he's um talking you know he's just like oh right i see it's going to be one of those sorts of friendships is it and so he's <laughs> like well, right i know we're going to be friends for life and we both like a fucking drink and you've got your demons you dark fuck so let's just go for it and fine <laughs> and in the episode we're about to talk about in Once Upon a Time, specifically, he did a Martin Sheen on Apocalypse Now and like had a massive nervous breakdown or an actual heart attack. Die, die. Um, he actually got really fucked up and he had to take a break. Um, so McGowan, who I'm you know, who wrote and directed both of these episodes that we're talking about, yeah, the, the two-parter really finale, uh, that was special. And yeah, he just went for it and tortured poor old Leo McKern. But you know, he was okay. He went on to be in what The Omen Two and Rumpole, of course. He he was fine. He was he was around still in the nineties. Well, that Amazing. was his big thing. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. author of Rumpole, who was still writing the books after the TV show began, started just writing with McKern in mind for the, his own creation. Nice. It's like if Jeremy Brett was born a hundred years earlier, Conan Doyle would be like, I just write for Jeremy Brett these days. It's lovely. <laughs> it's great. I love it when that happens. Um, same thing actually with John Thor. Um, Colin Dexter was like, um, just like by the end, he's like, I'm just writing with, with John Thor as Morse in my mind now. So it's, it's like great. It's great. 
Yeah. Yeah, Ian Fleming was like, I'm writing for Dalton. I don't think that's true. <laughs> 1953, I'm writing for Dalton. Fuck off. Three films forever. Five for the win. Um, anyway. <laughs> we still need to do the Dalton, don't we? In the, uh, in the sub Let's give it a bit of a break. You know, I don't yeah. want to make it special. Uh, <laughs> Maybe that's the hundred. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did bond for number two, and we bond did bond for fifty. So if we do squeeze out a hundred of these, then yeah, it would seem the right thing. But maybe we can do it for like I don't know, seventy five. Oh, that's too close. Yeah, let's say 85, 90. <laughs> let's just throw it out at like seventy one, eighty seven. And now I'm just speaking in numbers. I'm doing a pure seven five nine. <laughs> well, maybe six. we should do it for like ninety three, which is when it might have come out. Had he done it, if you know what I mean. If he, um, well, it would be 91, and then the fourth one would be 93. Yeah, you're right, probably. Yes, yeah, fair. Okay, yeah, 91 I mean, wish that he did five. Imagine what, because I do like Bron uh, Bronson. <laughs> Bronson. Now we just really go off one to Bronson. But I keep saying Brosnan. I didn't really. But imagine a world where just you never had Pierce Brosnan and you had just Dalton dominating the 90s beating Rog and doing like nine Bond films ending wow. in like 2005. He still could. You see him now, he could still be fucking Bond. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. And they generally keep the tone. They don't go Moonraker or Die Another Day ever. They always keep it more. They do some are lighter than others, but they're, they're always Dalton. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway. <laughs> I think a little bit of we came out for Sheppy just then. It was amazing. He was in a very Out of happy every place. pore. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> or you save that and put that into the, the, oh, the God, yeah, episode. Yeah. Good stuff. So, so uh, uh, shall we just, yeah, so if we're going to talk for a second specifically about um, this episode, episode 16, is it? Once Upon a Time? I think so. I haven't even written it down. Actually, I probably should have. But yes, sixteen. I guess. Yeah. Once upon I'm, a I'm time. Gonna, I'm just to, to really focus on this one for a second. Then I yeah. love it. I think I love it more than I do Fallout. Um, mm. It's one of those penultimates. I, I really I like Two Handers, which this generally is. Um, I like mind games and balance of power. Like Sleuth comes to mind. Um, I like this is not the first time we've seen uh, like mentally handicapped or childlike uh, number six, but it's always fun eating that ice cream like a motherfucker. Yeah. Um, I want to mention again the massive walk to boss's office, which we've mentioned, I think, in most of these um, episodes uh, of the pod. But the corridor is concrete and shit and horrible. It looks like it belongs to Lassiter's. But, but the office at the end of it, and it seems that's the only way to get to the office. So whenever you go and see the boss, it's always this monotonous and boring walk. It's not like that's like the back door or something. He walks in through the only door to the office and he's, of course, furious because he had to walk all that way. The office is really nice. It looks really comfy. It's got a globe, which probably has bottles inside. Um, and the guy, of course, is just like doing his nails. But I just thought like, yeah, it's it's a weird design of this building to get to the quote unquote M office. So, yeah. yeah so you... That's a great final um, observation on that, Sheps, for sure. I didn't have any more on the credits for this. Yeah. Nice. There you go. Did we also ever mention that you can really see clearly when it's the resigned filing cabinet and you have the long shot and it's like the end of Raiders and you just have all the millions of filing cabinets, but you can really clearly see where it becomes like a painting, like a matte 
<laughs> it's not even an old probably like it. And it's really obvious. And it's like, oh, that's no one's fault, probably. But it's like, that's just another observation, which I may or may not have said before. It's amazing um, that that stuff becomes part of the show's DNA and charm, though, right? That's the thing, isn't yes. it? It gets away with everything. just gets away with yes. everything on that basis, which is quite interesting yeah, how age yes. has been kind to it. Yeah. No, well, it, when you, when you, it's sort of outside of time, and also it's of its time, because it, you can date, but you can be of its time. Like, for example, The Prisoner, it's very 60s, very 60s in all sorts of ways, um, but it's also out of time. Uh, in all those classic timeless ways i mean most timeless things are also of its time because how can you not be you're always going to be in the style of the time um in some capacity so that's nice by the way my first proper note for once upon a time was mckern's back back in capitals with three excla exclamation marks uh, also <laughs> mckern's delivery of we will um, oh, I've got exactly about, the same yeah, note. Oh, Amazing. dude, so calm and coolly delivered. McKern yeah. is probably my favourite number two. He must be. He must be. He's so fucking yeah. cool. I like a lot of number twos very, very much. But I, I guess there's a reason why McGowan brought McKern back because you need an old adversary, but also that means he's the best of the bunch. And he was. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Even yeah, though at the beginning he's already a bit shaky hands, mopping his thing, okay, I'm going to like uh, get into a one-on-one -on -one death struggle with, with number six, so I better be on point. It's like, you don't, you look a bit shaky, actually, number two, but never mind. <laughs> oh, and also, I, oh, I've seen this before, but I, I just don't remember this at all, that Rover is in number two's seat, and he's being a bit cheeky. He's like snooping, and, and number two's like, get out of there. And he's like, if I had little fingers and hands, I'd give you like the V side. I'd be like, fuck off um what a hero rover what's he doing what's your take on that because my take on that is that he's mocking um number two so yeah authority. absolutely the same yeah he's yeah, yeah, yeah he's being a cheeky monkey he is being snoopy to mckern's charlie brown which when you think <laughs> of that he does look like charlie brown he might as well say good grief which means number six is lucy oh it all falls together um, oh my god <laughs> wonderful well there you go i wasn't expecting that but there we are um so that's nice number two by the way appears to be a robot uh, when he just like rises up and he's like mm. ready for activation that's never explained like was he drugged was he gassed is he a robot it was he just like in a hypno hypnosis state there were loads of little similarities in both of these to both of our pitches as well just yeah. little things now, one of mine is that, like, you know, number two is fascinated with how number six eats his breakfast. And that's happened in episodes, but it did happen again here. And there were other little things as well. And with you as well, going to meet number one. Yeah, that feels like corridors. similar it's, it's sort of inclinations. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And he, he's so, like, his line deliveries are great, Sheppy. The we will, obviously, we said, like, the yeah. decree absolute, like, though he says it is yeah. wonderful. The, his laugh, I think, is the best number two laugh, which if that's on the top trump hearty, cards of number twos. I, yeah. It's hard to have a hearty yet cynical laugh, but he manages it. Yeah, he's amazing. He makes me want to watch yeah. Rumpole of the Bailey all the way through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, Can I also say uh, another note I wrote here was number two's just as angry as six with about six exclamation marks. 
um because he yeah he loses his shit very quickly when he when he pops up at the beginning of this and starts bollocking everyone yeah yeah it's a different version of his own number two which is lovely yes which means there are three versions of him ultimately yes (laughs) i hope he got all the emmys and all the everything i certainly Um, hope so yeah um so yeah so there was a one the wonderful scene where the screen work where that where six is projected on the massive screen but he's next to number two and it's done Mm. like walt disney where he kind of almost interacts like john hammond like hello john hello john uh but it's the but obviously yeah it goes like so they're both the same size on perspective but then number six goes into a close-up and but he's still number two he still just talks to him or at him i should say on the screen i really liked that it was beautifully shot and you and i have talked before about the screen work the editing on the screens um in this whole show of the prisoner where they there's always very good like when it's point of view work or how someone is reacting to something on the screen in front of them but obviously we know that it was filmed at a totally different point so it's just done really well it's very well crafted and organized and put together and there's more of that on display here which is fitting for the penultimate or beginning of the finale let's say so that's nice lovely there's also um, a cheeky flamingo um, type bent to punctuate a, a cheeky quip from number six which i thought was quite nice as well <laughs> i don't have any further notes here I, I, my notes start proper proper when they're bloody in together well and he starts yeah, his well, patrick me... swayze style interrogation of him to start with from ghost with his humpty dumpties and his singing while he's sleeping oh, i thought that was well, very that wonderful thought, uh, henry the eighth let's get to that in one second so fair play but before that they get to that uh classroom from hell um what about that scene where six runs out and starts harassing that dude and the dude's like hey get out of here and he starts screaming in his face apparently totally unprovoked on number six's part what's your take on that Sheppy, i'm trying to remember it now with all the other trauma that i've been through i can't right. even like picture it's it right really now it's really weird and it's it's yeah it is strange maybe it means that six is finally losing his mind yeah in which case if you want to go nuts maybe everything else is like a brazil type hallucination well i mean either way that's definitely an interp isn't it let's be honest when we get to the real number one um but right, yeah right yes yes well exactly so with that in mind um he's screaming in some random dude's face uh this number two's got a grudge i wrote against six for beating him originally two is watching the best of number six on that screen where he's reading his file yeah that's i like who edited that in that reality um showing this two's personal relationship with six as well that they have like a history and a bond and stuff oh and uh, i've just written one word cabbages so i thought that would make you happy it did make me very happy and that again a little bit of dna to my Pitch. Yes. 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 Well, but that, you know, that's like the breakfast. That's a running theme that we both like, and they both came back for the finale. So that's <laughs> that's nice. And you're yeah. So happy cabbages. It seems to me that number two and the bald guy hate each other, and I noticed that like in their first scene together. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, number two's maniacal Humpty Dumpty rendition, etc., is particularly harsh. His delivery is like yeah. bullying and and pretty grim and psychotic and yeah. again here we have of course the sam wheat 
uh, special with Yeti sleeping. It's another form of hip hypnosis, which of course is throughout the whole thing. There's loads of hypnosis again, including mine, but that's like not a coincidence because hypnosis is big in this show. So he does it again. He reverts number six to a childlike state and then proceeds basically to be the father figure taking him through his own ages of man as this persona of number six grows up going through teenage years and young you know adulthood into deep adulthood with various kind of father and mentor figures to finally get the truth from him i thought that was fascinating yeah absolutely i love when they walk in the room for the first time and there's just yeah. like a noughts and crosses on the board from last time i just thought that was amazing from whoever um, else was in there before nice and, uh, well there's and like it. a ghostly energy to the place because the swing is going by itself the rocking horse yeah. is going by itself yeah man and the the butler is kind of like the the most it yeah. almost is doing so much for the whole thing and he, the way his yeah all of his body language and stuff i'll, I'll get to all that in a minute but just like i look well, one yeah, thing I just... I, I, you, just was you mentioned that it's like number six finally 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 again i'm jumping ahead but he finally gets granted to go down and you know and meet number one and he goes like behind the scenes of scaramanga's fun palace type thing and he's like in like this forbidden area which is beyond the realms of where any you know, resident of the village should ever go and there's the butler just like you're right just doing his shit getting on yeah. with it because he exists everywhere he can go everywhere he's got the key card that opens fucking every door because yeah. he's the fucking butler and he's just everywhere is his place and he's and, and it's so like yeah, cool. he's master of all which means of course you could even you know there's, you can translate anything into anything maybe he's number one it's never said it's not even implied but you never know yeah Nice chaps, I like that. I love I love the the delivery of one teeny weeny week, my boy. Like that that was just so wonderful. And uh, yes. I, one of the things there as well is like they're really. I mean, I don't. The interesting thing is with this show always is he does lay it on very thick with his metaphor, or his intertext, or his whatever. Like you know, in the what he chooses, be that them bones, be that pop goes the weasel, like. It's really yeah. heavy, and yet, even though he like, you couldn't necessarily extrapolate exactly what he means from using it. Do you know what I mean? So, like, mm. I don't know. I had to revisit what what was pop goes the weasel again. What does that even mean again? It's pawning your jacket is the literal translation, you know. But I guess that right. pop 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 pawn. What are you what are you pawning? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, it's kind of a rabbit hole of its own to get down into, but it's quite amazing. Wow. Um, but yeah well the nursery rhyme motif um is you know there's always something creepy about nursery rhymes anyway that's why freddy krueger likes them so much and so when you've got little creepy kids singing something in a kind of a mocking lilting tone repetitively it's and also the lyrics to all these old english rhymes are all really fucked up and about the black death anyway uh, and fucking you know having sort of woodland animals exploding everywhere just because there's some treacle lying around it seems barbaric to me so with all that in mind used in this surreal context with people with this sort of like very very mock friendly very very passive aggressive tendency throughout all the people in this show yeah that whole like pop goes the weasel it's like get out of my face because it's freaking <laughs> me out <laughs> oh 
a final note about the playground of horrors where number two and number six go at it with the chalkboard, with the with all the paraphernalia, the fucking boxing ring. It's Amazing. Thunderdome. Yes. The whole place is Thunderdome. It's their arena. They the doors seal, they're locked in just for two. He says a week, and I believe that they're in there for a week together. Yeah. Um and and they just have at it and they both it's a you know. And so, yes, it's, it's the arena, it's Thunderdome, two men enter, one man leaves, pure. Um, plan seems like a final solution from the higher-ups, the last-ditch effort, all or nothing, approaching to finally breaking number six, to break him down to his base components, starting from when he's like the little Riri with the ice cream, and then rebuild him, and then get, you know, the truth from the innocent perspective schoolmaster scenes become if if you know what i mean the mcdowell film did you ever see yeah. if oh it's yeah wicked. yeah 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 i put Pure. 12 of the darkest lashes here like yeah, yeah. it's amazing yes. asking for more and then the butler dishing them out and just the the way they use the door opening and closing it for different rooms and different stages was very yes. clever yeah yes wonderful another battle of wills like yeah the the, the schoolboy in the old-fashioned like 1914 public private school type thing and with the master teacher type dude with his cane and mortarboard another battle of wills six wins with like you know and they're talking about the lashes yes exactly 12 sir so i can remember it's so fucking hardcore and it is if that were like a film or a tv show set in a boys school and about this kind of oppressive system and this relationship and this like kind of whiplash relationship between this master and the child like the, the prefect boy or whoever um and that would be the scene where he wins so yeah. just the fact that the prisoner took this really good genuinely amazing scene and made it work here but obviously in very different settings with different actors to say the least is amazing so that's like a little bubble of genius. It's because it's a genius scene in any context. <laughs> and I love the I love the the boxing you mentioned already. I love the the fencing as well. It's amazing. I love the yes. way number two fences and sort of does that little skippy thing forward. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, I just I love how after he takes his first number six punch and he's like, I'm beginning to like him. It's just such a great line. And you know, yes. like you say, the two hander of it, you you. It helps you buy them being allies at the end of the next step in a way. Like, do you know what yes. I mean? What's going on in this episode, I think. And like, yeah. And of course, um, we find out that his history is that of number six is, but unlike number six, he broke. And yeah, so from I his love his respect for him in there. Yeah, yeah, I put totally. The, just all of the body language and the movement of the butler, um, you know, the baseball bat, the twirly thing, it's so deliberate. Everything the butler's doing is so deliberate and... Yeah. wonderful and he obviously switches allegiances at a key moment yes. at the end and it's quite amazing and it's sort of I, I think he's actually brilliant that performer and I think yeah. he literally if you read his wikipedia it makes for quite a sad read I think he got a wow. gig on Willy Wonka and then passed away in his 40s and like yeah. didn't get any gigs afterwards do you know what I mean it's really tough you know anyway. I don't want to mispronounce his name but it's like Angelo Muskrat, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great. Well, yeah, no, it's tragic. It's often the case. But yeah, um, you're right. I like to think, and it seems to always be the case um, throughout, that 
the more of the higher ups at number six. Basically, what I'm saying is the butler um, follows the leader, the one with the power. And like they mm. even say, but, but always. So number six beats everyone. He works his way up the ladder and sooner or later he gets high enough. The, the allegiance will naturally switch to him because he will be the the, the, the alpha. So, yeah. um, and he's the butler and he serves the master and whoever's in charge. And it's number six when he finally beats, when he closes that fucking door, he goes, and behind, and when he's in the cage, he's like, steal, steal, steal. He's like, mm. and he closes a clang. On the moment he clangs, he's like, oh, and, uh, and that's the moment. And he gives the key to the butler. And yeah, and he's like, he thinks you're in charge. And he's like, yes, um, that's that's wicked. Also, by the way, you mentioned the punch earlier. I just wanted to say I like that McKern, you know, number two is like pushing six, pushing him, pushing him, pushing him. He really goes way over the limit. He's taking his life into his own hands is number two. And he does pay the price because then, you know, he, he snaps, but not in the way that number two wants. He goes fucking feral, whaps him in the face, proper punch, <laughs> then fucking throttles him like a fucker. And that's what you get is what that's I That's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, he pays for it with a severe throttling and a solid thwack to the kisser. Um, and then we have the bit with the rock and uh, the seesaw and, and all this. Oh, yeah. There's sort of like apparent stream of consciousness between them. I, I believe this was all scripted. I believe there was improv in the next episode, but in this one it was all totally scripted and everyone had to stick to it, you know, like Aaron Sorkin, Mamet style, and, you know, everything had to be exact. I, I don't know where the truth is there. But when McGowan wrote this script, he uh, submitted it under a different name, as he often did, and the, uh, like, the cameraman and, like, the script supervisor was like, who wrote this shit, Patrick? I mean, what is this? Six, five, 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 six, 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 five. This is rubbish. What are you doing using this piece of shit? He's like, no, don't worry. Uh, the, the, the writer's a good boy. It's a good boy. And, you know, so that that makes me laugh. That's a story I heard. Um, <laughs> so so they so they filmed this with everyone mocking it and McGurin be like, Whoa. Um, but I like all their their back and forth and everything. Um, and I like also, yes, he's like the Mickey coach in the boxing as well he's not just the opponent and everything he's like you know trying to get it but this time he's wearing like you know the protective headgear because he's ready for another punch uh, <laughs> and so that's like a shrewd in that case it was a good idea and of course yes you mentioned the fencing and uh, then two risks death again with the sword where he's goading him and then the the, the safety tip comes off the sword and he Brilliant. doesn't get his answer and number two, I would say, he doesn't get like you know the answer. Uh, he does a break six, but he wins this round. Uh, I would say um, out of their battle, um, and then the job interview in the sort of the meal. And I wonder if they eat the whole meal. Like in terms of this, I assume they do. They go through the whole thing, and like they've had this meal, which I hope was nice, nice looking restaurant setting, lots of equine shit. In the background, did you notice in this supposed restaurant, there's like <laughs> loads of pictures of horses? Very strange. Um, and we go straight throughout different scenarios, the bombing of the plane, yeah. which number six, and I supposedly Magoo, and I, I'm guessing, uh, did, you know, bombing during the war. Um, McGowan looks like he might corpse 
when McKern beckons him like into a close-up. Now, maybe it was acting on McGowan's part, but personally, I hope it wasn't. He really, his face changes, he does this little smile, and he comes over when, when McKern is like, come here, come here. And it's like McKern is in like an extreme close-up, sort of sideways on in the camera, Leone style, and McGowan comes forward in the air. He just has a sort of an uncharacteristic smile which doesn't look like number six's usual smile, and it looks like it could be real. And I like it. I think he maybe swallowed uh, a laugh, I hope. Um, so I, and I like that stuff. So that's nice. Um, and also, I like how he's driving around in his little scooter, like little car with all the traffic sound effects and stuff, which I like. <laughs> um, and then he's busted by the butler, Bobby, dressed up as the little copper. Uh, and then the judge turns up. Uh, and then everything kicks off. <laughs> yes, Sheffy. I don't have anything until the heart attack, so I'm just loving all of your um, reappraisals and loves and likes. Well, that's great. Well, in that case, I'll I'll continue. I mean, so McKern is the judge and all of that. Then it's like an avant-garde play you'd see at midnight on the Edinburgh Fringe, I wrote. Um, I've seen stuff, yeah, where it's like this again, two-hander. They switch places officially in terms of the balance of power when he closes the bars. And uh, six basically then murders two. Die, die. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, he's like, this is what you get. You, you fuck with me, man, and I will kill you. <laughs> six almost tenderly touches uh, number two's face before checking the pulse uh, or for the pulse. Uh, and he uh, ends on the empty classroom, the last shot as he gets led away. And number, you know, a bald man is like, I'll take you immediately, by the way. He's like, he's like you, he sees that like, the volcano is ready to abrupt, erupt with number six. He's like, what do you want? Like, to see you, number one. Okay, let's go. And so they leave, and we have this nice shot of just like you know, the empty classroom, the blood strewn arena, I melodramatically wrote. Um, and by the way, uh, uh, McGowan in 77 said that this was his favorite hat. Who knows? If that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I can see, uh, I like it too, Sheps. I like it too. I, I'm actually, I was pleasantly sort of surprised by the last one. So I think the last one probably edges it for me, honestly, of the two, because I, right. I am, I like a two hander as well, but I have, I want to say like a percentile less patience for it probably right. than maybe you do. I, I normally sort of, I see you, you said it really, you know, that kind of Edinburgh fringy, that sort of yeah. vibe feels incredibly actorly and indulgent to me a lot of the Still time. Self-serving. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I, but I don't think they go there here. I think they stay the right side of that stuff, but it's, it, it, it has, a very small whiff of that beneath it all. Like generally, there's just a small whiff of it, yeah. but it's not. A, I, I like the episode. I'm I'm in, but I and I and it didn't. You know, no point was I think here in WTF. I was just like, no, I mean, I like this, but uh, yeah, it it's just it it was good. I'm glad they did it like this, and it's it's wicked because it's just you get two very different vibe episodes for the last two episodes, and to be fair to the prisoner, like it really. Reinvents, reinvents, reinvents for the last five, really, in the yeah. end, you know, as they landed anyway, you know. Um, yeah. No, what aired, I should say, yeah. Mm. When he, um, so when he does kill number two with his die, 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 
and um, and all of that. Was there anything else about that particular bit? Or... I thought it was a fantastic heart attack. Like it's just so mm. well acted. I mean, Jesus, you and you really, it. yeah, you. It's just very unnerving. All the little gestures just feel real. You know, I just thought it was it was it was just great. You know, just the way Leo's walking around that room and showing it to him at that stage, and like it was just. It was just all so odd, and like you could just feel him falling apart. It was amazing. It's what, mm. like I say, I just hope he got all the Emmys. I don't know, I'm sure, I, I'm yeah, sure. I, uh, but uh, yeah, it's really probably cool. not. No, but no, exactly. <laughs> it's great. You're so right, though. And it, and it By gives the way, me. A, oh, Sheppy, sorry. Please, no, no, no. no, no I was no, just gonna say, no. it just gives me because I'm I'm slightly jumping, but not really. So just to say, like the moment where uh, we then they replay it the uh the death in the next episode yes. Yes. and but with really an interesting sort of angle to it where they're kind of saying you know resuscitate revolution you know he's not and, and he's he's dead it's just really weird and it gives you a little shiver and, and like and he's not happy to be brought back he says like, no oh, the fuck? yeah let me rest you couldn't just leave me let me rest could you yeah it's tragic <laughs> and they pay for it because they unleash an anarchist but nonetheless before we get to that bit <laughs> Oh, one little point I was just going to, I found out, again, this is from IMDb, so I don't know if any of this is true, but um, one thing is, so I've mentioned before uh, Danger Man, which was the show that um, McGowan did before The Prisoner, which is basically a spy show, and I've seen it for just one episode, and it was the episode that is kind of like the experts, where it's like a fake village, and it's basically The Prisoner, and they're training Russian spies to uh, infiltrate by, you know, blending in and like American culture. Uh, but in this case, it was English culture, of course. And so, um, and that became, so the character he played in Danger Man was called John Drake. And the photo at the beginning of The Prisoner, every episode where you see resigned, going into that filing cabinet with the fake backdrop, uh, it, was a, it was the same photo from Danger Man. So some people might say, oh, well, that means number six is John Drake. He's a spy, it makes sense. But other people just say, no, it's just the same photo because McGowan had it lying around. He's like, who's this? <laughs> so, so you don't know. But in this episode, um, in um, Once Upon a Time, number two calls six a lone wolf, which is what John Drake's code name was, leading to some fans saying that this confirms that it is Drake. Now, script editor George Markenstein, who's a big deal in this whole show, says that this is the case. McGowan says that it's bullshit but who knows and again internet but there you go I think it doesn't matter ultimately I think the point of number six is that he's number six and yeah. his life before which we see hints of which might be dreams anyway we don't know and we don't need to know you know we don't I need to know what that. happens to him after or before ultimately it's his experience and but it's yeah, such a turn yeah. of phrase lone wolf you know, in the yeah, end, that's I, well, it, well. That's the whole other thing. That's a huge like what if, but I just mentioned it for that way. But yeah, of, of course, lone wolf is an expression. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, just from Marta's point of view, um, I asked her what she thought of rewatching because we watched The Prisoner together oh, like five, six years ago now. So with that in mind. And she said the second time, obviously the second time, it's a very different experience. Also, the first time we watched it, we really spread it out. And we did like one episode, like every three weeks or something. So that makes it different as well. 
um, different experience the second time, seeing more details, of course, paying more attention to the little things like um, number six's face, his emotions that he uh, she likes that he has such good emotions. And then she said, well, one emotion, he has anger. But she said, so she likes that. <laughs> but um, we agree uh, he's such an enjoyable character. So, yeah, so that was nice. He's an enjoyable um, character. I, would, I wish there was more number six out there. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. yeah. And you couldn't totally. really, there's some, he's bringing a lot of himself to it. You feel so much of himself that he's, it would be very hard to kind of have someone try and play number six now with the same oh, yeah. zeal, let's say. Yeah. I always said that there's no one else who could or should play like, um, like Kirk. Because Shatner made it his own, but in fairness, Chris Pine did a fantastic job. But in the case of Number Six, he is so indelibly, you know, McGowan, and he was written and created by McGowan. And mm. uh, you know, so yeah, of course, it's like very difficult to see something different. And yeah, nor should you, Jim Caviezel. So yes, <laughs> with that in mind, uh, final episode Fallout. Yes, um, let's get there. Starting with the first time ever of a kind of a previously on the prisoner where we yeah. do see, you know, uh, stuff. Um, if you really, then, if you need, I always say that with finales. If you need a previously now, Jesus Christ! Yeah, right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're um, joining at the wrong time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I know some. I met someone. I saw. Ah, oh, there was someone who I met very briefly who had read the, the seventh book of the Dark Tower Stephen King series. He read it, didn't realise it was the seventh and final of this epic saga. And it was like, oh, I was working at Smith's and he bought number one, two and three saying, I've got some coaching up to do. I'm like, you finished it? It's ridiculous. Did you know what was going on? No. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, oh, another one from the memoirs. Um, but yes, yes. Oh, also, by the way, <laughs> yeah, weird stuff, but nice that they did it anyway because it's all good fun and games. The written and directed this time, by the way, the credit comes up and it's by Patrick McGowan. He's out loud and proud, last episode, and he's also like, I know this one's weird, so I'm going to take it full on. He directed a lot of the episodes under a pseudonym, Paddy Muck 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 Muck, like your one. Um, so with that in mind, it's nice that he's just like, yep, it's me, baby. <laughs> um so that's cool the beatles uh pops oh, up which is what great. a needle drop and, that is sheppy yes, what a needle drop he, and he's given like i thought you'd like to be yourself and he's given his own clothes so that's cool oh that's a great moment isn't it and i yeah. i wanted to just and actually it's sort of more i think about it foreshadows the number one reveal a little as well um but yes. the um just the way that statue is and how they focus on it and the just quickly, i just got to share it, because I know you know it, just in case you don't. You know the Jules Holland, all you need is love anecdote, do you or not? I can't remember whether I've told you so. Oh, not, but... the standing up with the French. Um... Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Yes. <laughs> and like the yes. UN Jules Holland plays, and, and like, of course, the French National Anthem at the beginning, and I thought it might be bloody French intelligence, by the way. Quick Jimmy's right. obsession with this show, who's ah. behind it all. But, um, but then... Um, and yeah, like Clinton, Blair, and etc., all stand for the French national yeah. anthem, and then it's all very awkward because they have to sway to "All You Need Is Love" together. Um, I like that Blair got his back. You know, it's like he stood up because he thought <laughs> it was his own country's national anthem, but it was the intro to "All You Need Is Love." So 
yeah Blair got up and they had like an awkward boogie and they sat down and he got his back which I which I like oh it's good a special good relationship Blair. there you go <laughs> I want to see Martin Sheen reenact that moment Michael Sheen why not as well both of them <laughs> um yes by the way quick aside about the Beatles um this is extremely rare for the Beatles to, you know, if you want to use the mm. Beatles original uh, song in any film, it doesn't happen often. Richard Curtis was a special case because he's Richard Curtis. But generally speaking, no one ever does use the actual Beatles. It's always a cover version because it is astronomically expensive, ridiculously, because they never wanted it to happen. Um, and then so, but 1967, McGowan is McGowan. He knows everyone. And apparently he was doing a project with the Beatles that never happened. But I don't know if that's true. But he went up and George Harrison's son told the story that he just said, I'd like to use one of your songs for free. And they said, absolutely, Mr. McGowan, because they're fucking terrified of Patrick McGowan. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> or maybe they're like, absolutely, Pat. Um, you know, no problem. That's my Beatle impression. So, <laughs> so he got all you need is love, uh, for free because he's Patrick McGowan. Unprecedented. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's fucking McGowan, isn't it? Um. Also, then he goes, he gets his own clothes. He marches into the great big Bond esque Ken Adams style antechamber with the stalactites and stalagmites and the 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 court and the science lab and then the weird masks which are kind of rubbery and sort of some of them are like you know venetian but some of them are different and spongy and and they're all wearing horrible cloaks and they're all kind of clapping in insane choruses and being creepy creepy clappers is what i wrote yeah. Uh, what do you think of that? Weird stuff. Well, I can't sum them up with two better words than that. Creepy clappers. Yeah. Think, but yeah, flipping yeah. that. Sort of the yin and yang, the face mask and the, yeah. Which, yeah. again, is really amazing. I mean, I, yes, yes to all of that. All of that. I love, and, and it, but it's not, it's got room for humor too. And the judge, Jesus, yes. you know. And I the mean, judge is the return of Kenneth Griffiths. Um, who was in a previous episode not that long ago of The Prisoner, who is, of course, also in many films and TV things, including my personal favourite, Wild Geese, with Burton, Harris and Moore. And also he uttered the immortal speaking of Richard Curtis, you don't think I know my own uncle or brother or whatever? Wow. Yes, it's him. So he's the oh, judge. He's back, back, back. McGowan again, just working with all his favorite people. Apparently, apparently he uh, got Kenneth Griffiths to write most of his own dialogue as the judge. Uh, so make of that what you will. Again, IMDb, but interesting. Wow, I did. You blow my mind a little bit there, Chappie, with the "Don't be ridiculous." Charles died years ago. Yes. Or whatever. That's a mate. That's yes. blown my head off. Yep. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're so fresh-faced yeah. here, and that's what's in my Thanks. brain right now. So, yeah, okay. I'm sure he must have been. I always think he must be in, like, a, a Kubrick. He's got a Kubricky, horrible kind of, like, clockwork orange, intrusive, sweaty face. You can sort of smell their scotch egg breath as they talk too close to you. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Good on him. He's, some, he's a real... You can tell he's got real fucker undertones in this, though, yeah. I feel. Everything yeah, he says is a bit, yeah, not to be trusted. Another kind yeah. of old boy system. Again, the whole show is rallying against that whole 
you know, my father, father had eaten and, and that sort of shit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, bring it down. Uh, reactions, defectors, therapy, lots of like the, the name tags of the weird clappy mask people. Um, they all had like as if in like you know, they had like a name plaque where they were all sitting. But the name of each clapper was one of them was defectors. One of them was therapy. One of them yeah. was reactions weird stuff i didn't i only made a note of three of them but there's a bunch if you look you see and it's like that's that's weird um but the judge gives number six full victory um the right of the individual to be individual uh for he's a jolly good fellow when six sits on the throne the whole thing is massively surreal with very conventional action film settings and locations then Leo McKern regenerates uh, by use of hair dryer machine and shaving foam face. Then a Dalek turns up and plunger faces everyone. Uh, and then number 48. Is it 48? It's Alexis Kanner um, with his top hat turns up. Um, and like he becomes like a kind of an annoying hero, but is nuts as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, them bones, Sheppy. Them bones. bones. Holy shit. That whole shit. sequence. He's an anarchy spreader. He gets everyone in an uproar. He makes the creepy clappers like shit their pants and go crazy ape shit. He's pure undistilled anarchy. The very personification of number six's soul, I wrote. Such wow. a great chase. I know. I, I apologize for nothing. Such a great chase as he runs about. Lots of uh, one long shots very well put together with the cloak people grabbing at him. He's weaving it around like when uh, Eddie Murphy's being chased in the gentleman's club in trading places. Can I help you officers? Um, such a great chase. Um, very well put together. The brotherhood uh, camaraderie then between six and, and top hat number 48, where he kind of gets his back and they share a nice smile together when number six is sitting on his throne. But there's a lot of insanity uh, going on. Uh, McKern oh. is cooked and comes out a new man. Yes, sorry. No, no, no. It was what really. I just again, I was just wondering why, why using tempo and that. What was the point of that song? And I just, you know, and and I'm wondering whether it's a bit of, you know, the the religious angle coming out from our man McCoy. Right. So it, I only googled. They're it, both be, dead. But, yeah. Uh, they're, oh, yeah. So they they both come back. So yes, yes, that would make sense. That would absolutely make sense. But again, it's another old song. I don't know how old Dead Bones is in fairness, but I'm pretty sure it's fairly old. Perhaps yeah. not as old as Pop Goes the Weasel. But n- nonetheless, it uses like, yeah, but he's a jolly good fellow and all sorts of old songs. Yeah, Dead Bones. Maybe it was Alexis Canner. Maybe he sort of did it on improv, but he improved a lot in this episode, apparently. Um, McGowan said, go for it, kid. And wow. um, so maybe he just did that. It's very haunting. Yeah, yeah, maybe it came out of that. Um, yeah, it prophesizes one day uh, the the bones that Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel found in the valley will be resurrected at God's command. Picture the realization of the new Jerusalem, and you've got the resurrection of number two, and you've got all sorts going on. I mean, bloody right. hell! Well, there you go, there you bloody go. The knee bone, by bone. He's really <laughs> going for it. Um, yes, well, that's great. Um, well done. I like that. 
Um, <laughs> McKern is cooked. Bing. McKern comes out a new man. His old self can't believe his luck on the screen. He's laughing his tits off, apparently looking at this new version of McKern, laughing his head right off, a right loon. He's like Jolly, jo jolly Jack Tar, that laughing uh, like sailor. <laughs> He's like that. Creepy masked mobs, raucous laughter, always cut off like it, like it's a recording, is always jarring no matter how many times it happens, where they're all laughing and jeering, but then it just goes, like the tape machine has been switched off. That's creepy. Yeah. It's great. So that's the Lynchian flourish right there, right? Yes. It's wicked. Yes. It's a weird reality with, like, what's real. I, I uh, love that little... Of... Oh, sorry, Sheppy. No, please, sir. <laughs> well, just I love all of number two's that whole kind of monologue, really, from him. Like, it's great. Like, you know, just yes. the respect for number six's resilience, the great spit. Come on, amazing. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, and great be seeing you as well. Really, just great wonderful. spit. What will great be seeing you? What was the spit? You know, that when because I was wondering, I was worried number one might be a Dalek, but then he swaggers over to number one and it's green light at the time. Right. And, um, oh, of course, yeah. the and light gives he looks it a good into the eye spit. of Sauron. Yeah. yeah, he spits in the eye of number one and he goes, he totally turns side hero. He's like, fuck you, man, you brought me back. Fuck you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, amazing if the Dalek was actually number one. I am a superior Dalek race. Um, yeah, so he but he, he comes off and that's always that's always happy. We're told, of course, that yeah, he was he had a life like you know, and he was taken from his life, so he's angry because of that as well. Um and yeah, then I've written he tells the eye to basically fuck off. Uh so that's that's good as well. I like that. And now, um and now yeah, number two is becoming an anarchist, uh top hat is becoming an anarchist. Um, which is all great. Now the judge pops up and gives Six his freedom and says, right, you can either run this place and have all the power or you can have loads of cash and passports and traveler's checks and shit, like Thompson's travel mag. That's Give one of those photos of a palm tree. I know you like those. And he's saying, well, so one or the other motherfucker, it's like Brewster's Millions. And Six can only sort of like ask why, why? But he doesn't trust anything. He's got this sort of little fixed grin on his face, this little half smile sitting on his throne, being told all this, not giving anything away. But you know, his brain is like working over time. And I don't blame him at all. Um, so, you know, so he's like, go or lead us. And then, the, and then they still fuck with him. And so he goes up there and say, you know, give one last speech to really personify mm. what you think you've accomplished. And then they do that politician trick of just very childlike, childish playground. I, 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 and speak over. And it really works on six. He, it, yeah. it affects him. It hurts his feelings and he loses his rag entirely. It almost breaks him after yeah. everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the judge, his face, he's like, fuck me, this is working. And he's like, he doesn't want to move or like just be a break the spell. He's like, Number six is losing his fucking mind. We finally, <laughs> now at the end, cracked it. Just before he gets up to the podium, I, I did put no one's ever looked cooler swaggering with a bag of petty cash. Um, yes. But yeah, but I, I love that. Yeah, the, right. The well, he gets a bit of comeuppance. 
Um, yeah. yeah, the pride and the fool and all of that, because he does swagger <laughs> over there. And I'm sure that was deliberate on, on McGowan's part, you know, swinging his little petty hat, pocketing it, which I respect. I think you know, that's the last bit of Jimmy DNA on my pitch too, which is sort of issuing a passport and, you know, the chance to run a place, not necessarily yes. the village. But yeah, mm, interesting. Yes, yes. But, yeah, uh, no, there you go. Yeah, interesting. Um, um, I like that. I like that. Sorry, were you going to say something? No, I'm jumping now. My next note, Sheppy, is probably a tiny bit too early, but never, nevertheless, I'm going to do it. Num I just put number one is a Dalek question mark. No, a pig. Great reaction. No, not a pig. Dot dot dot. <laughs> right. So uh, well, we'll get there in a minute. Well, let's. Yes. Well, I think we're basically there. Six loses it totally, and Judge looks like he's won. And then, without even asking, he's taken to see number one. He doesn't even go. Hey, wait a minute. What you told me, fucking? Where's bald guy? You told me fucking ages ago you're going to take me to number. They didn't even need to do that. Suddenly, after he's a bit fucked, and because they're all like, I, I, I. The judge is like, oh, I had enough of this shit. Let's go see number one. And six is like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, good. Let's go see number one. Uh, and it's fucking deranged. In fact, what I wrote was two words, fucking deranged. So, okay. Now, I don't think it's a pig. I Maybe it is. I think it's a monkey. I think it's like octopusy. I think it's a monkey. But I might yeah. be wrong. Funny enough, I thought um, it was a monkey too, and then someone had written like, "Oh, the reaction to the pig," and I was like, "Oh, okay, oh, maybe I did miss saw it quickly." I don't yeah. think so, but who can say? It's weird and creepy. So he goes in to see number one, and the music goes nuts, and then he's on the screen, and it gets and the it goes really, really intense, and the guy turns around, and he's got and it's like I, 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 and it's really high pitched and creepy, and he's got this creepy mask. He turns around and then he does that thing where he spreads out uh, his hands and the and like you get it like a a dark shiver where like you know he spread and the, and that you see number one is written on on this you know, gown and number six pulls out and pulls off the monkey mask or whatever and there it is now it's him right so it's number six it's McGowan but fucking crazy as number one just not someone pretending to be crazy but someone who is absolutely stark raving bonk um now with that in mind you can read it in lots of different ways i will say mcgowan said he he what he didn't want to show underneath the monkey mask too much he wanted the audience to not even of course before pause existed he didn't want the audience to necessarily be able to pinpoint that's fucking him and he said you know he did it by frames like which how many frames felt right you know oh. maybe 30 or something so yeah and um but yes it is him and he's fucking nuts so when he climbs up the ladder and then he just sort of sticks his head out through this little hatch as six yeah. is climbing up after him it's fucking bonkers yeah. um horribly so unnerving terrible and of course since number six is always so well i mean look he, he erupts he gets angry and loses his shit and everything but he's always centered he's always number six whereas mm. this thing i'll tell you what this is it's another fucking parallel that has never occurred to me before but it's like the end of twin peaks with bob in the mirror and where's annie and agent cooper and it's like seeing your hero like that, personified by evil, 
is is horrendous and the yeah. actors are so good um it, they sell it and it's a massive parallel and it's horrible seeing number six like that and it's freaky um so yes i would say does it mean everyone is their own el guapo and so whoever you are when you pull off that monkey mask you're going to see yourself inquisitor styly um it's your number one is the dark reflection of your own soul is that a that's one interpretation how do you choose to see this i think that's exactly where i go sheppy and i think it's right i think it's the when you think about it it's the only way for this show for something like this yeah. i guess you know which is trying yeah, to have all so. the cakes and eat them like drink everything yes. and be everything and really try and get you thinking you know and when you break it down are you also the greatest villain as well as the greatest hero and all that yeah. stuff i think it's really profound and wicked and and i'm so pleased about it that... and i'd like to oh sorry, sorry Chef, but does that you. mean does that mean you could say that number six the whole thing if you want to go really crazy with it is he's asking himself why did i quit why the fuck did I quit? I've worked mm. my whole life in this, Absolutely. but he's seen too much and he's done too much. He's lived a spy's life and he's, he's so jaded and he's like, I, I got to get out. And, you know, and he threw it all away, all his hard work just to get out. But then he has like a nervous breakdown or he is captured and taken somewhere and you know, tortured, but it is all going on inside his mind is one possible thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's 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 a definite read too, and a scary one. Um, I think the, I I think of like Gandolfini and the stories of him in Sopranos and how he'd have to be in his trailer to work himself up for a scene and then come out and be Tony Soprano. You know, what right. the fuck would McGowan have had to do in his trailer uh -huh. before that oh. particular scene? <laughs> Jesus, you know, a like, lot wow. of whiskey, a lot of whiskey. Yeah, you're uh, right. That, it's probably yeah. that. You're right. I'm That's sure true. you could put it away with the best of them. Um, another thing I want to mention, actually, first of all, two more things actually about this reveal. One of them is in an interview, I think the same one I saw on YouTube, McGuin is saying, well, first of all, the obvious thing, no matter what you if it's like some dude, even if it's Alec Guinness, but like it's just some dude, it's just some dude. And so it's never going to be satisfying no matter what. And he says in this interview, you know, I could have used Sean or Roger, meaning, of course, Sean Connery or Roger Moore. And it's like as if he could because he's McGowan and it's the Beatles. And I've loved that forever. So just like so I could just go with a megastar. But instead, I'll, you know, so, so you know, I've, I've said it before, but it, it, I like that um, he's, you know, he's like, I, I, yeah, if I can get the Beatles to do this, then I can certainly get Roger Moore, Sean Connery at the height of of everything. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm repeating myself, but it makes me really happy. But it instead, makes me happy too. I'm glad he didn't, but I'm glad that exists and they go for whiskeys together. Yes. No, I like that. And also just the fact that, yeah, and also uh, Alexis Canner said that one person, you know, uh, he always said it, the big reveal of number one, it should turn out to be Lou Grade since he had cancelled the show. So that's <laughs> that's nice. Um, but um, the other thing I wanted to mention to you is uh, in a previous episode, we uh, recorded our own version. We've done it a few times of the opening speech, uh, the bit uh, of dialogue at the beginning of each episode of The Prisoner. And it's usually different because it's a different number two each time. 
and we've we've done it like with me as number six and it's you as number six and you as number two now in one specific i think it was the first time we did it one specific line reading so it's like you know who is uh, like you are number six it's like who is number one and the replies you are number six i'm not a number i'm a free man ha 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 when you did your line reading as number two um saying like so i said as number six who is number one you said you are number six and i didn't want to touch that at the time but i want to ask you now was that just like a weird line delivery gene i think you absolutely gene absolutely pure gene sheppy yeah right because it was a hell of a pause so yeah. much because actually when i had done number two i had done a sort of an emphasis a kind of a wink a kind of a, a like who is number one you are number you sort of like i did it that way the you and no. the pause but a, <laughs> but a tiny pause uh but you would you're like who is number one you are number six and i'm not exaggerating no i remember doing it like that i remember because I, I remember when i was editing it i reheard it like that i thought oh jimmy you know what the fuck you're doing you should be anywhere <laughs> near acting or anything like that but i just, just didn't uh... <laughs> know if you, if you were insinuating that he was number one wow. you know, like yeah. who is number one you are number six um but there you go well you there's know, another so way to do it you, the way you just did it with that inflection yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. beautiful it's a, real, it's a con air con uh, all ah, over again that's yeah. that was delicious what you just did there Sheps. Well, i tell you, you what if i was a listener right now i'd go back 30 seconds and just listen to that again that was wonderful oh. um, <laughs> but yeah that's nice. why the Sheps are wonderful i mean that is the that could you know you used to love that expression eye of the duck and that might be the eye of the duck of the show that very moment right it's oh, pretty that's huge nice. yeah so nice uh, so yeah. well so we've had the big reveal of deranged number six bob number six uh then butler totally helps out he's not like a faker he's not like oh you're in charge but now you're in charge he, he's loyal once once he's like you're in charge so he, he gets handy with the fucking fire extinguisher he Amazing. like fucks up some hooded freaks uh then after the most surreal the show has been with the number six reveal number one it goes to the most conventional uh sort of with the base blow up, the overload plan, the action, uh, the you know tempered by the Beatles song, ironically, all you need is love, of course, deliciously over gun violence, genius, massive gunfight, McKern, Alexis with his fucking machine gun, they're all going nuts, spraying bullets, uh, a wild bunch meets Bond meets Austin Powers meets Flint. I've written uh, <laughs> with the world's most expensive copyright song played ironically over the top for free, which is fucking cool. Butler driving cage truck blasting out of the of the gate. Uh, it's like the whole time, just the gate. Uh, townsfolk run off and uh, and vacate. Now, I will say I do love this last episode. I love the balls. I love right at the beginning. It just feels different. And you're like, oh, okay, they know, you know it's, just, it's doing something else straight off the bat. It's going to be doing its own thing. Pure, the essence of the whole show. We're just going to do whatever the fuck we want, um, which is nice. But I will say that when the townsfolk run off and you see the village for the first time, really, since the very beginning of the the penultimate episode and it made me go oh i do wish they had somehow done all of this 
but taking it out to the village and had much more of the village like maybe the whole judge stuff in the village because yeah. we don't really we get the lovely tribute which we didn't mention we don't have the usual opening for this episode the last one we have the but we have this beautiful aerial shot and it pays tribute to port melon and where they filmed near you know, the village so we get that but yeah but just seeing it very briefly at the end when all the town's village folk are running out um it made me suddenly go oh this is the last time i'm ever going to see that place unless i watch that episode of 2.4 children so with that in mind um, I, I wish that they, if I could suggest one thing to Magoon, humbly, uh, and you know he's going to scream spittle and whiskey breath into my face, but I'd say, can you just set some of it in the village? Because, yeah, we're going to miss that place when it's gone. <laughs> um, but that's nice. And then the rocket, fairly inexplicably, just bursts out. Thunderbirds, Terrorhawk, Siley out of the top of the village, which is nice. But the village doesn't blow up or anything, as far as I'm aware. No. So it's still there. Um, but also then I realized, oh, we've really had, apart from Rover fucking around in the chair at the beginning, we've also not really had any Rover shit. I'm like, oh, um, and so when he does pop up and he does get given a, a conclusion at the end as Rover, where he kind of goes, well, my job here is done. Off I go. And he kind of de-evolves and he just goes yeah. and gets sucked up. I assume to wait in the ether until he is needed again and summoned forth. But yeah, he's like, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> so I'm like, see you later, Rover. But again, I do wish yeah, he had been in it more. He could have come out of a bubble as well. Um, but I like that pure action shit with the tuck truck bursting out, the rocket going up, the, the crowds flee, fucking Rover. Um, but then he's, he's off angst free as fuck with some very jaunty and happy triumphant music and then as they're driving down the road with the nice song going and they're all dancing in the back of the cage truck down the the welsh motorway driving to london there's like this john glenn lewis gilbert bond yeah, yeah. moonraker type shot gag of this stiff a uh, stiff upper class twit type driving a roller down the road and he like drives past them all dancing in the back of this truck and he's like if he had a monocle it would have fallen out yeah. we need that guy with the bottle of wine to do the double take of the wine um because yeah that that's good stuff but off they go top hat um just jumps out and leaves them but bye and starts hitchhiking seeding seemingly in any direction is fine where the fuck does he go what happens next to him where was the spin-off yeah wow. 48 and even um, the stunt so, crossing the road for him, like it looks very precarious. Some of that, that yes. tracking, yeah. you know, that wasn't official. They just like McGowan with a tripod, probably pissed on cider, set it up and said, Run over there and then run back. There seems to be a lot of cars, Patrick. Just keep your eyes open. So, yeah, good. <laughs> well, I like all of that, and I want to know where he goes because we, we are just never told. Uh, maybe just to wander the earth like Kane in Kung Fu or David Banner. Anyway, or the little is hobo. Um, Trafalgar Square, dirty as fuck, 67 styly. Butler remains a real hero, driving them all the way. And number two, he marches off into Parliament uh, to spill all, presumably, which I think is satisfying. Uh, another Roger Moore-esque joke with the copper 
kind of walking past the midget and looking at him. Mm. But then we have this really cool shot of the midget in the foreground and um, number six, like really animatedly talking to the policeman in the in the background. And then it, the policeman goes and you're not. Do, what do we think there? There's number six saying, right, I've got a guy in Parliament spilling the beans. You're going to go and back him up. And the guy's like, OK. Maybe he's like, my code number is 5752. My name is John Drake. You can call me Lone Wolf, and these are my orders. He's like, yes, sir. Maybe. Or the or an equivalent, if not John Drake, but maybe he's doing... Because he, he says something with a lot of animation to that copper, and the copper's like, yes, sir. Or he, at least he yeah. walks off. And, and I, I read it a bit like that, too. Absolutely. There's something quite jovial about it, though. It feels very yeah. relaxed at the end. Weirdly, yes. I think the whole thing. McGowan's like um, probably just having a nice time. Frankly, is like yeah. he's like Larry David, you know, who always cried every time Seinfeld was picked up for another season. Another season, I've, I've written everything. I've written everything. <laughs> um, so he was probably like over the moon that it was finished. He can go and be an ice station zebra too. Um, what? Um, yeah, so that's nice. Top Hat continues just to like fuck off, which is nice. Triumphant music. Back to number six is souped up motor, and uh, the uh, the ominous hearse is still there. So then you're suddenly like, oh, what the fuck? Um, and then you've got him going into the house. Oh, yeah, and, and you've got the butler. And oh, by the way, butler and number six running across the road to the bus hand in hand, I want to point out, was pretty special. Sweet. Um, so <laughs> I, that, that was a nice touch. Again, McGoon was just having fun. That wasn't in the script. Hold my hand. Um, <laughs> So now number six gets into his car and he drives off, as we've seen him do many times, and so he doesn't go into his house. Presumably he's got all his shit, he's got his million quid or whatever, and he's going off to see the world is the idea, right? He's got the passport, he leaves. I think so. Now the, the butler stays by the door. I don't know if for the first time this has been the case, but now number six's front door says number one on the front which isn't going to be a coincidence and then the door opens uh, like in the village so then you're like well what does that mean and, and the butler walks in and the door goes and closes again and then you see number six driving away but he's also it is the same shot from the opening credits so now is it a is, is, he, is it just reusing the same stock or does it actually mean it's a loop and he's now lost styly going around and it's starting again? Or he's never going to finish that? Is it a St. Elsewhere type situation? And it is a snow globe. Um, so that's interesting. In terms of the door opening, because you could just say, oh, wherever the butler goes, doors open automatically. So I don't, well, don't know, they say, doesn't the judge say when they're there that, you know, we've made modifications to your place, it's ready for um, you, etc. I feel I felt like that was part of that. Right. But I do like your your loop, Sheppy, and this right. idea that actually he's fucking insane and lost in his own mind and gonna keep going mm. round and round. I always like an infinity thing like that. And right. I, I I think I take that, thank you, especially given the name of the door is one. I hadn't actually clocked yeah. that for some reason, but yeah, that's that's wonderful. And um yeah. It's no, all I, crazy. But yeah. of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh well that's great. 
I mean, this last episode was said about like it being like you know very disliked when it came out by the majority. I think yeah, the show was loved for being different, and the last episode was hated for the same reason. But I think it's ace. Um, is you know, it, again, it seems almost missing the point for me to say, oh, I wish it had a bit more of this or maybe a bit more of this, because it is what it is, and it's good that it exists. And also good that it does exist this last episode in some form. So it does have a resolution. Because if it did end with um, Once Upon a Time, I would be fucking gutted. Um, yeah. Not since Firefly. And at least Firefly doesn't end on a like a, a cliffhanger. It just stops. There you go. You, you can edit that into when we do the Firefly uh, experiment. <laughs> yeah. so, so with all that in mind... Um, I like that it does, Rover does have his own ending of sorts, which I do because I like him. Uh, who, where the fuck six is going? Who knows? Um, but yeah, exactly. It, uh, I like the idea of Top Hat um, forty eight still out there having adventures. I, I hope. Um, I, I also thought, um, in terms of there being like a, if there was a feature film version like Magoo and Gibbo were going to do for a moment in the nineties, um, and all of that. If there was a prisoner film, I just like the idea of it being like, I don't know, either a massive standalone episode, which ends with a kind of a Planet of the Apes type twist. And like, no, uh, but, but I, do, I don't want it to end with like a kind of a cliffhanger as such and then be the first part of a trilogy of some shit. I'd rather just be a standalone film if you were going to do like a big budget version, but not fuck it over, not go too Hollywood with it, of course, and still keep it true and, you know, grounded in the true essence. But you could still have action because there, there are fist fights and gun fights all the way through that shit. So you could really go for it. And I would like to have seen like a ransom era Gibbo being a number six if he was directing and McGowan was like, you know, having a say in it. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And also you could go big if you were going to do a potential sequel to this last episode and do do a kind of a 2010 in terms of answering the Kubrick questions, which Kubrick didn't like. You could do stuff like uh, the whole world is the village. Everyone is a member of the village. There is still like, you know, the village in Wales was like Hogwarts, but there are villages everywhere. And also <laughs> it's spreading and soon the population will, you know, do really take it global and do some weird head games on like, but on like a much larger canvas, you could do something like that potentially. But I like the idea of doing like a, basically a standalone episode where the ending isn't him escaping. Cause you, I don't think you should fit him arriving and escaping forever in one film. Although I'm sure they probably would do that and have like a third act die hard with a vengeance sort of tacked on really badly <laughs> Gibbo walking down that uncomfortable corridor kicking open the door to his boss's office and who's played by Danny Glover and just shoots him in the face and he's like did I tell you I quit da -da -da -da, and then the credits run so hopefully nothing like that but I do like some sort of idea where it, ha it does have a kind of like a you're fucked sort of ending like the end of um Planet of the Apes basically that could work where it's like you'll never he thinks he's made some sort of like escape and he's blown up the village and he's killed number two and he's beaten number two and he gets out but then it's like uh I don't know it's like the immediately it like resets and he's back or maybe right next to this village is an identical village 
and it's just like we have a massive pan out and it's like a huge desert which has been just terraformed into nothing but like thousands of these villages it's like neighboring each other and he can destroy one but there's always going to be a next one and it makes no sense really but he's like nah and that's the end and you're like what the fuck but at least it's trying something and gibbo's like i believe in this project so that's my mini shoulders of the giants pitch for a big pitch i love it yeah, I I like the idea of a John Wick style, different villages in different countries and stuff. I I feel like um, the one thing you lose with it though is it being in his own psyche and his own mind and like you know like yes. that being all about number six is you little could proclivities do a total and recall and hint that it might be all going on in his mind throughout the film. You yeah. could you could you could certainly keep stuff in blue sky on Mars and all of that. Nice, nice, Sheppy. Well, listen, old Bean, I'm going to say thank you again for setting this. Uh, it was a treat and a delight and a wonder. And I am really glad. And I, I can't say fairer than I will probably do another lap of this at some point in my life, I hope, because um, I really enjoyed it. And I think a couple of episodes are really, really fantastic. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, it thank was, it was you, wonderful, Jimmy. man. Well, yeah. I hope we, um, yeah, if this experiment was popular, if people enjoyed listening to any of this, because it's very specific, but, you know, let us know if anyone would like us to tackle another, like, TV show, like, kind of a mini-series situation. Don't want to take on, like, multiple seasons of something, but something finite, like The Prisoner. Um, if anyone has any suggestions, we can do this in the future with something else. I've I've got one idea for something. Jimmy, you have an idea, which I think we can get to down the road at some point. Um, so, yes, um, but all of that, very happy, Jimmy. I've enjoyed this experience extremely much. That makes no sense with you. Uh, I, I'm not happy with our previous sign out after the pitches while it was weak as fuck. So <laughs> to finish the entire prisoner experiment, Jimmy, it's been a hell of a ride. Uh, how would you uh, like to sign out of this spectacle? Well, I, I think we have to do one for the road confidently, Sheppy, and I'll give you a be seeing you. And I, my friend, will be seeing you. That's so angst-free. It doesn't work at all. Be seeing you. That doesn't work. That's too, too specific. Be seeing you, number six. That's rubbish, too. Be seeing everyone. There you go. Chew on that. I don't know if that's any better. It's worse. Oh, oh, it's so much it's worse. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a much, much worse.